0: Hello and welcome back to the TTP, Tatani Talks Parsha, the share where we talk about the Parsha of the week with some practical lessons to keep, sometimes getting between that 5 to 15 minute time frame to get um, succinct point, idea, explanation of something seen in the Parsha across. in previously in about the first half of the season, now that we are on podcast forums, we spoke about 30 to 60 minutes in the second half we cut it down moving forward are cutting it down to around the 5 to 15 minutes mark as we try to see what we could learn from the different parshiot so we're in sefer devarim we're in deuteronomy we are looking at parshat shoftim the parsha of judges or officers depending on how you look at it Judges in the Tanakh, the book of Judges that are actual Judges, after Yehoshua's time, before the Navim came, the Shoftim, there was always a Shofit, someone who would judge, who would literally save the people, the Jewish people. But in this Parsha, the Parsha starts off, when we're looking at Perak Ted Zayin, Pasuk yud it starts off saying, recham. <laughs> Judges and officers you shall apportion, you shall appoint in all of your cities and all of your gates. The question is, why? What if we just had one judge, one, one officer throughout the land, throughout the tribes, throughout the territories, if there are 12 tribal lands that are portioned up of Israel, Eretz Yisrael, maybe we should have 12 judges. Why do you need a judge at every gate in every city? Why do we need one? Why do we have to mention it this way? So Rashi picks up, and the sources are from Chabad.org. Rashi points out, judges and law enforcement officials, the Hebrew is shoftim and Shotrim. Shoftim, they're judges who decide the verdict, and shoftim are those who chastise the people in compliance with their order, who strike and bind, not found in early editions, with rod and straps, until the guilty party accepts the judge's verdict. In all of your cities, it needs to be in every city." For your tribes, it refers back to set up for yourself. The understanding of the verse is you shall set up judges and law enforcement officials for yourself, for your tribes, and all of your cities that the Lord your God Hashem gives you. For your tribes, this teaches us that judges must be appointed for every tribe, for every city. They should judge the people with righteous judgment so that the people who judge are expert and righteous so they will judge justly. You have to have judges all over the place. Why? Because there is injustice all over the place. You have to have judges everywhere because there is crime, unfortunately, everywhere. Even in Eber HaYardin, for Reuven, Gad, and Chatzishev at Menashe, they had to have Sheh Shalosh e. Mikla, which is interesting that just for two and a half tribes or so, they had three cities, and for the whole rest of the Jewish people, we've mentioned this before, the other ten or so tribes, they also had three cities. But ten tribes for three cities versus two and a half tribes for three cities makes it sound like the other lands, Averyard Yard and those two and a half tribes, had a lot more murderous or, or accidentally murderous people. Why do they need so many cities for so few tribes? Interesting how it parallels the other major amount of people in the in the in the land... But that's for another time. But in general, you need to have the judges. You need to have the officers in every city and every gate. That's the idea. Lahavda, Lahavda. We need police in every county, in every town, in every city. We need the NYPD for New York. You need it in Queens, in Brooklyn, in Staten Island, in Bronx, Manhattan. You need police in every part of Nassau County, whether you're in Limbrook or Malvern, or you're in Lawrence or Cedarhurst, or whether you're in Ronkonkoma in Suffolk County, or whether you're in... Uh, whatever, Mineola, or even if you're in Franklin Square, any city needs to have the judges because there needs to be order, there needs to be law in every, city, in every city. And in Israel, you need to have police in Ashdod, you need to have police in Ashkelon, you need to have police in Yerushalayim, you need to have pli- police in Be'er Shav. you need to have police in Beit Shemesh, and you need it in Netanyahu, you need it all the way in the north, in Rosh Nikra, you need it all the way in the south, in Eilat, you need the, the, the forces everywhere, and obviously they should go according to the dictates of the Torah, ideally, and idealistically, in a best-case scenario, according to the to the the laws of the Torah, with a functioning Sanhedrin and Bezdin, ideally. But we do what we can, and we have to deal with the times that we give us and the land that Hashem gave us with the wonderful modern state. So we have to have it in every city because you need to have the proper protection. Hopefully in the right way in every place you go, everywhere you go. But it's not just about the the judgment of the actual law and order, not just about the protection of the people, but it's how we go about our own days, how we go about looking at situations. And I want you to think about not being that guy. When I say don't be that guy, it doesn't mean don't be that guy who calls up and says, can I get an extra five packs of Chinese crackers for my noodles? It's that guy Don't be that guy who judges everybody else. You want to be a judge? The only type of judge out there is Hashem. We'll look at the source in a second from Chabad.org. But you don't judge in general. Don't be that guy. Don't be the person that's Chosher B'Ksherem, always falsely accusing people, judging people unfavorably. You want to be a judge? You want to judge other people? Even though Hashem is the only real judge, the only type of judging I've said before many times, the only type of judging we should ever do is don lekavzchos judging a person favorably? Okay, so look at him, look at a situation, and only judge to the merit. Look to the favorable. Find a don chus explanation and reason. My wife is very, very good at this. I'm not so good at this. Always looking to the positive, trying to say, "Oh man, you know, somebody was giving me a ride, and the other day they didn't take me. I'm only in this school for six weeks. They said that they could bring me to the to the train a few times a week, so I could bypass the subway sometimes." And I know that I'm always taken by this person on Wednesday and Friday. And and this Friday, for some reason, they ran out without me. So my wife said maybe there was a medical emergency. Maybe the person had to run home to the spouse. Maybe the person had a very good logical reason. And I said, you know what? The wife is probably right. Happy wife, happy life. Yeah, and and really, if we just were down the coast, coast, most of the times it's the real reason. The other side of the story is one of the best books I've ever read growing up, and it talks about how there really is always another side to the story. We have to give legitimacy to understand there is another side to the story. We don't always have the information. We don't always have the facts, because the only really person that could judge, not even a person, the only being that could judge is Hashem, because Hashem knows everything that's out there. But if you look at something... Don't be that guy. Don't be the one that falsely accuses, always always looking to the negative, always trying to find the negative. Oh, he's so big. Oh, he's so lazy. He's so this. You don't know the whole story. You don't know what goes on behind closed doors. You don't know the whole chapters of the book. You're only seeing the book cover. Don't label someone just based on one thing you see and nothing else you don't know. That's the idea of person-first language. Don't label a person as someone who's Down syndrome. He has a million aspects to him. One tiny aspect is that he has an extra chromosome, and that's his fault. It's a person that happens to have Down syndrome. Oh, look at that wheelchair-bound guy. You're defining the person, you're judging the person based on one thing and negating all other aspects of him. You're defining him by disability. Should someone define you as the kiddish hoarder? Is that your definition? Is that your position? Do you want people to know you as that guy who is gorging everything at the kiddish that's how you want people to know you or is that one bad aspect of you oh man look at that alcoholic he runs from kiddish to kiddish no we say he's a good father he's a good dad he happens to have a problem with drinking he happens to have a problem with alcohol he needs to get help he needs to work on it his whole life Ah, look at that guy, he loves to walk around just just um, smelling McDonald's left and right, left and right. No, he happens to have this need to smell such a thing, but in general, XYZ and the other thing. Don't be that guy, don't be that person, always falsely accusing, looking to the negative, labeling a person by one aspect that's bad, one addiction they have, one... Fault that they have one negative, it does not define the whole person. A person can be an amazing person and they have one percent bad, one aspect that they really need to work on. One person might have an anger problem, one person might have an alcohol problem, one person might have an internet addiction or a gambling addiction or an alcohol addiction. Don't be that guy, don't be the judge. The only judge is Hashem. You want to judge, you judge favorably. Pekeavas teaches us in Ethics of the Fathers in Dalid Chet do not judge alone. There is no judge alone except for the one. Who is the one? Hashem. Hashem is the only one that could judge. Do not be a judge. Don't be that guy. Be the person who looks to the positive and only looks for good things. The Talmud in Sanhedrin 2a points out, and Chabad.org brings the source, Monetary matters are decided by a court of three judges, capital crimes by a tribunal of 23 judges, from where is it derived for it is written... In Bamidbar, the community, the book of Bamidbar, the community shall judge and the community shall save. We need a community of judges arguing to convict the accused and a community of judges arguing to exonerate him. Thus, we have 20, a community indicating a minimum of 10 as per the book of Numbers. A conviction requires a majority of two as per what the book of Shemo says. And a court of law cannot have an even number of judges. Thus, we need 23 judges. Twenty-two, so that sh- there should be a majority of two over the ten saving judges and another judge so that the court should not be even numbered we need to always have a majority we're never the majority even if we're one person looking at a situation realize we are exactly that one person looking at a situation you don't have all the facts you don't have all the knowledge don't be that guy don't be that person that's always negative always cynical always looking to the bad of people always judging people you don't know things you can't be a judge you want to judge you judge favorably. And we talk about that also in uh, formerly the lecture series in Tiny Talks Life. We talk about how you have to look at things and you have to try to go about things, understanding how to look at something. You want to judge, you judge favorably. You want to look at someone, you look towards the, the good. You look and understand that you have to look for good things, understanding good things, not trying to find the bad, only looking for the good, Make sure not to falsely accuse. Make sure to judge favorably. We have a whole lecture on that where we go through many different sources. Chabad also points out... Under Torah law, capital crimes are tried by a tribunal of 23 judges called a minor Sanhedrin. Of course, the major Sanhedrin of 70 judges that were around at the time of the Beit HaMikdash, That was the supreme court, if you will, Lahavdil, of the judges. There's a major court of Sanhedrin that was very weighty. Anche and HaGadol, I believe, had 70. And that was the last of the prophets that had done Daniel uh, Hanani, Michel, Nazari, maybe. And Mordechai from the Purim story fame. That was a real body of judges, real people who could really judge weighty-weighty matters. And the Sanhedrin lasted, but... Only after around the, the, the destruction of the second base of Migdash, it really wasn't wasn't in existence anymore. Of course, we haven't had it for thousands of years, but that's the major, major Sanhedrin. The 23 is the minor Sanhedrin. After hearing the testimony of the witnesses, the judges themselves would split into two groups. Those inclined to argue for the acquittal of the accused would serve as his defense team and seek to convince their colleagues of his innocence. Those inclined to convict would make the case for his guilt. Then the judges would vote. A majority of one would was sufficient to exonerate while a majority of two was necessary to convict even in the the American law system you have a jury of 12. How do 12 people make a decision on someone's life? 12 average citizens can decide the fate of someone's life According to Jewish law, you need a Sanhedrin, people who are experts in this, people who hear out the case, 23 people, and then they would judge to figure it out. And major, major cases that affect the, the, the Jewish people, they would have 70 people, not a Supreme Court of 9, not a jury of 12, but 23, and then 70 people. But what if all 23 judges form an initial opinion of guilt? What if the evidence is so compelling and the crime so heinous that not a single member of the tribunal chooses to argue in favor of the accused? In such a case, says Torah law, the accused cannot be convicted, must be exonerated by the court. The Lubavitcher Rebbe points out the rationale behind the law as follows. No man is so utterly evil that there is nothing to be said in his defense. There's always some explanation, some justification, some perspective from which the underlying goodness of his soul can be glimpsed. That's the idea of how we cannot judge. Don't be that guy. You have to find good in every person, every person. This does not mean that he is going to be found innocent in the legal sense by a court of law. At times, the mitigating circumstances, quote unquote, result in a verdict of acquittal. At times, they do not. But if not a single member of the court perceives the innocent side of the person standing accused before them, this, a court, This is a court that obviously has very little understanding of who he is and what he has done. Such a court has disqualified itself from passing judgment on him. So if sometimes a court of these major experts of 23 can't even convict someone, how could you yourself think that you can accuse someone? How can you think that you could lay blame on someone? How could you think you have all of the details. You don't, and you won't. You don't know all the details. You don't know everything that's going on. So I beg, don't be that guy or girl. Don't be that person. Don't be the one that's always cynical, always accusing, always judging, always thinking the worst of people. Try to flip it and think the best of people. Sinav was one of the reasons of the destruction of one of the two Beit HaMikdash's. And it's not rebuilt in every generation, the Talmud tells us, because we still have that problem. People hate others baselessly. They disagree. They judge them. They assume X, Y, or Z. And nowadays, with the whole crazy pandemic and the reason of this vaccinator, anti-vaccinator, when did it become such a crazy thing? There's such a lack of... Of, of baseless love for people if we had Ahav ad baseless love for people just for the fact that they're that they're fellow Jews or that they're fellow humans in the world okay so he doesn't want to vaccinate why are you making him pressured why are you trying to fight him okay he wants to vaccinate fine you choose your own decision you don't force your decisions on other people you don't force people to do X, Y, or Z you love each person regardless of what they choose okay so they're not religious don't force it on them Maybe we could save people instead of throw them away off the derach by being accepting of people how they are. Okay, so he doesn't want to have 15 kids. Okay, so they don't want to get married as fast as you. Okay, they don't want to have a huge house. Okay, they don't want to live in your community. Okay, they don't want to make aliyah. They do want to make aliyah. There's a thousand things that people could disagree on, but it doesn't mean you hate the person. You could disagree with their decision, but you still love them, you still respect them, you don't judge them to the negative. Only judge to the positive. Please, do not... Be that guy. Be the good guy. Looking towards the person, loving the person trying to see how you could help the other person regardless of if their view is exactly what you think. You only see a person as the cover of the book. Don't judge a book by its cover. Don't judge a person based on what you see in the externals. You're missing all the chapters inside. You're missing all the information inside. Don't label a person based on one tiny condition they have or addiction or or, or mental illness or physical illness or any aspect any blunder that they have. Who's to say you wouldn't have done this, the same thing? I'll done and don't um I'll tell it. It, uh, don't judge a friend unless you're in his place you think you could put him down because you don't have the struggle with drugs, God forbid, you should never know from such things, you don't have the struggle with alcohol God forbid, you don't know from such things or the struggle with internet or gambling or money or any of these things if you don't know it, don't judge it, in general we don't know anything, don't judge other people only judge favorably, find something beneficial, find something that you could see positive, try to see the good and people, try to get the Ahava maybe in such a way we could finally rebuild the third base of magnitude. May it be speedily, speedily in our days, and may that day be today. Join us next time as we talk Tani Talks Parsha, where we talk about the Parsha of the week with some practical lessons to keep.